0: All right, so our life's journey. We've been talking about this. It's a year-long journey uh, that we're on as far as a topic, but it's a life's journey as a follower of Jesus. It's to become like him. Like, like that's, that's the whole purpose. I'm to send my son Jesus to earth. He's going to die for all the sins of, of anybody that would come to him, but it's also about I want you to live your life modeling his behaviors. I want you to try to become like him. And when we surrender our lives to him, he begins to work in us to transform our lives from the the wretched sinners that we are into his likeness. And I know that word wretched, it's a big word, it's a bold word, it's a harsh word. But all of you are wretched, all right, I'm wretched. Because with sin in our lives, that's that's just what we are. And, And we can be good people, we can be good citizens of a country and still be wretched all right and that's the fact that we all have sinned in our lives but when we surrender to him he begins to transform us into his likeness and this is a lifelong journey I, I love verses and they're sprinkled throughout the new testament in colossians and ephesians and galatians romans first corinthians uh philippians says I, and i'm sure of this that he who began a good work in you We'll bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. And, and what Paul's saying to the church is like, man, he, he's going to begin this, this work in you. And, and, and while you're going through the day-to-day, you know, while you're spending a month at the beach, okay, while, while, while the rest of us are working in our jobs day-to-day, I'm not singling anybody out, all right? We're <laughs> jealous, all right? While you're jealous of people having the opportunity to go to the beach, I'm going I'm to work in your life. And, and, and that's what Paul's saying to the church. And, and we're not going to be complete until we are back in the presence of Jesus when he returns to get us. And so the work is it, it's this lifelong journey, and it happens as we live in relationship with other people. And when Jesus returns, it's complete. But here's the truth. Here's the truth about this. And, 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 and we've talked about some hard hitters the past <clears throat> several weeks. We've talked about patience. And, 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 you know, hey, we, we can tune patience out. Nobody likes to really talk about patience. We've talked about patience. I've about gentleness. Okay, we've talked about self-control. Man, as we talk about some of these, these uh, characteristics of Jesus and the transformation that needs to happen in our lives, some of this can be very uncomfortable. And that's true for today. This is one of those topics that when you understand what it means in the Greek and when you understand how it meant in the New Testament. I'm telling you right now, it's gonna gonna make all of us feel uncomfortable. Gold, we like gold. Everybody loves the finished product of gold, right? But gold doesn't just happen. Like when you dig gold out of the ground, you mine it. I mean, it's ugly. It, It doesn't have the appeal that it has at the jewelry store. And gold, we know, goes under intense pressure and intense heat, and it's purified to the finished product that we like. And that's what God, when we surrender to the lordship of Jesus in our lives, that's what he's going to do. There's going to be... gold goes through some things that it doesn't like. Now look, there's some characteristics of Jesus that I I just naturally gravitate towards, right? And and they're a whole lot easier than some of those. Well, today, we're going to purify you. We're going to bring the heat. And there's going to be pressure. Not from me, but from the Word of God. There's only one preacher. We say that a lot around here. There's only one preacher, and that's the Holy Spirit. I'm praying, and I've been praying this week what happens today is going to encourage you it's going to inspire you and it's going to convict you to live out what we're talking about and it's going to take you as it does me it's going to take us out of our comfort zone and so with all the characteristics of jesus we cannot make a list without adding boldness now i love doing this exercise uh, at DS1s, these trainings that we go through, and, 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 man, people will be throwing up all kinds of things, you know, uh, Jesus is this, and Jesus is this, and Jesus is this, and Jesus is this, and boldness never makes the list until, until we throw it out there, and they're like, oh, yeah, Jesus was bold. Boldness is used two primary ways in the Bible. <clears throat> All right. First way, mostly in the Old Testament, certainly some in the New Testament, but a lot in the Old Testament. Uh, boldness means this: it's it's having confidence to come before God. Right? That, that's one way it's used. And and here's the other way. We're going to put this up, and I want you to we're going to leave it up here for just a second. Uh, boldness: uh, it, the word in Greek is, is, is parousia. Okay, and it's the trait of being willing to undertake activities. That involved risk or danger, especially that involved being honest and straightforward in attitude and speech. So just let that sit there for just a minute. So when we think of Jesus, we think of his gentle spirit. We, we, we think of meekness. We think of his love. We think of, of patience. But there's boldness. There's boldness found in all of those things think about Jesus coming on the scene in the time frame he said some really controversial things not near as controversial to you and I today as they were back then but when he said things like John fourteen six, I am the way the truth and the life no one comes to the Father except through me the, the, those were words that that the religious leaders could hang him on and have him arrested and killed because he is claiming to be the Messiah. Now, he is the Messiah. But, but, but th- this, this is a bold statement when it was said to the audience that it was said to. I am the one way to get to heaven. And there are no other ways to do it. All right? Uh, he, he also said this in Luke chapter 14. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. That, I mean, that's a bold word when you're trying to gain an audience, right? Hey, I, I mean, I know, I know y'all are here listening to me and everything, but if if you if you love your mom and your daddy more than you love me, you can't be my disciple. Right? If, if, if you love your wife and your children, if you put them, if you elevate them above me, you cannot be my disciple. I mean, Jesus said controversial things in the moment. That's that's boldness. Matthew 6, 24. Here's another one. Listen to this one. No Either he will hate the one and love the other or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other you cannot serve god and money it, it hit me when i was preparing this one and, and i'm not obviously not an english major you pick that up every single every single week right but the word right here you cannot serve god and money it's, it's not possible to do it if you're trying to balance your life where where, where something and God are competing for each other, you cannot do that. You, you cannot say, I'm sold out to work, and, and I'm going to give work everything, and I'm going to sacrifice what's important. I'm going to sacrifice my quiet time with God and my my, my church attendance and, and my responsibility and command to disciple other people. I'm going to put work up here with God, and I'm going to try to balance it out. And Jesus like, oh, you can't do that. So guess who you're serving? Then? I mean, many of us think that we're, we're serving both. No, you're not. You, you're, you're serving the other thing. God cannot share time with anything. It's his throne and his throne alone. And we can't seek after money if it ever gets in the way of of God, and we compromise all the time. And so these are bold, harsh things that Jesus says. They are controversial. But here's the thing that I've learned about Jesus. Everything that Jesus said was out of love. Everything that Jesus says is the truth. Everything that Jesus says was, was for the benefit of other people. Most of what he said challenged the culture, and it cost him his life. I want to say that again. I want you to want you to think through this. Everything Jesus said was out of love. Even if the people received it as controversial, it was still out of love. Everything he said is the truth. All right? His word is the truth, and you can't debate that. And everything that he said was for the benefit of others. But most things that he said, not everything, but most of what he said challenged the culture and it cost him his life. The trait of being willing to undertake activities that involve risk or danger, especially that involve being honest and straightforward. He was willing to undertake this ministry and the risk that came, knowing that it was going to cost him his life. So we talk about boldness as it applies to you and I. Have yeah, your Bibles turned with me to Acts chapter four. And it's, it's certainly one of those stories where boldness is on display. But let me give you some context, right? So, so you, you, going back, to if you're there, if you have your Bibles. Not going to go on screen, but uh, if you have your Bibles, like Acts chapter two, this is the day of Pentecost. We, we're familiar with this day. Um, it's 50 days, give or take, after Jesus says uh, the resurrection, and it's a big celebration. And the disciples, the apostles, they're going they're just going to go they're going to worship in the temple. And this is where the Holy Spirit just comes upon Peter and the boys, and they start preaching, and they start preaching in tongues that uh, everybody can hear from different languages, and they're like, "Oh, wait a minute." And, I, and the crowd's like, are they drunk? Because I'm known. they're like, no, they're not drunk. They're, they, it's early in the morning. They're like, well, did they start in the middle of the night maybe? I mean, maybe that's the case. They're like, no, they, they didn't start in the middle of the night. Uh, we were with them, they're not drunk. And, and now there's like this commotion because Peter's laying it on. And, and he must be yelling because a lot of people hear it. And they interrupt him and they're like, hey, what do we do? And, and he said, hey, you know, we know it, Acts 2.38, right? He said they were cut to the heart. They wanted to know what to do. He said, repent of your sins, be baptized with the gift of the Holy Spirit. And out of that launched the New Testament church. So there's this huge commotion that that is taking place. Well, that then leads into Acts chapter 3, right? And God uses Peter and John. Peter and John wake up. They're like, well, we're just going to go because the Pentecost celebrations are still going on yesterday was a great day. We had about 5,000 people. Let's see what happens today. And so they go to the temple and along the way a crippled beggar says, hey, use some money. And like most preachers, Peter and John are like, we don't have any money. But let me tell you what we do did. After. We have the authority and the power to disbumped them, and they walked on to the temple to teach. All right? Well, the crippled beggar, he's no longer crippled, he's rejoicing, he's celebrating, he's up, and people are like, hey, you're no longer crippled, what happened? And they're like, those two guys in there teaching and preaching, they healed me. All right? And they're like, what? And then more people hear about it, and then more people hear about it. And, and now we're drawing a crowd, and now some of the religious leaders are like, hey, you're supposed to be crippled at the edge of the At the edge of the temple, what's going on? And they're like, the guys in there preaching, they healed me. And the religious leaders are like, "Uh uh-oh, I don't think so. That's not how this works. Right? And so they arrest Peter and John. Acts chapter 4, we're going to start in verse 8. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders, So they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. And when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way. all were praising God for what had happened. For the man on whom this sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years old. Verse 23. When they were were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priest and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them through the mouth of our father David your servant said by the Holy Spirit why did the Gentiles rage and the people plot in vain the kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed for truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus whom you anointed both Herod and Pilate along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel to do whatever your hand and your plan and predestined to take place Going to teach through every verse, but there's some things that we need to grasp you and I today. First things found in verses 8 through 12 in the defense. What was the defense that Peter and John took? They lifted up the name of Jesus. Like that's what they talked about. Right? Like when they start their defense of their actions, all they talk about is Jesus and they give Jesus the credit. They talk about where salvation comes from. That they do not miss the opportunity to point out that it was you guys that put him on the cross, right? Which we all fall in the camp of being the you guys because we've all nailed Jesus to the cross. Right? But in this moment of being tried, knowing that just 50 days ago, these very men who are now judging them sent them to Pilate to have them executed, and what do they do? They don't hold back. They talk about Jesus, and they talk about Jesus, the Bible says, with incredible boldness. Why? Because they know that there is risk in mentioning the name. Church, let me ask you, in your day-to-day circle, where you're interacting with those living in rebellion to God, how much conversation are you having about Jesus? How much conversation are you you bringing the name of Jesus into it? In John chapter 12, this isn't coming up on the screen, but Jesus is talking about his death, right? He's talking about how he's going to die. And he says this, when I am lifted up, all men will be drawn to me well Jesus isn't here hanging on the cross to be lifted up so so you know how Jesus is lifted up today do you, do you know how that's done it's not done from 10 30 to eleven thirty 30 on Sunday mornings yeah that should be part of the process Jesus is lifted up day to day when you and I are going through our day and we are having conversations and we are talking about Jesus. And the reality is, and the Bible is very clear on this, and I'm going to show you this in just a second, you and I must be willing to talk about him because faith comes from hearing. Romans 10:14 through 17 says this, Paul wrote to the church, but how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in it and how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him and how can they hear about him unless someone tells them and how will anyone go and tell them without being sent that is why the scriptures say how beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news but not everyone welcomes the good news for isaiah the prophet said lord who has believed our message verse 17 so faith comes from hearing that is hearing the good news about Jesus Christ. And I'll go ahead and tell you right now, I'm gonna prove this point to you in just a second. It's not the paid professionals that God uses. Now look, look at this is the second thing, verse 13. This gives people this gives hope to people like me. And the judges they perceived that they were uneducated common men and they were astonished they recognized that these men had been with Jesus Peter and John and all the rest of the disciples are simple run-of-the-mill common men there's nothing special about them they were fishermen They used to to drink too much wine, and they used to cuss. They used to tell jokes that probably weren't fit to be told here in church, right? I mean, they were just guys. They were guys living a guy's life, common, everyday men. They hit their hammer on things. They threw it and said bad words. That's that's, That's who God used. That's who Jesus selected. Selected, you know, a bunch of rogue outfit guys to send them out instead of the polished well-spoken people, right? And they spent day to day with Jesus and they learned from Jesus. And now that Jesus is gone, they're doing the work of Jesus. They are caring for people because they saw Jesus care for people. They're meeting the needs of everybody that they can and that, that they encounter. And they're lifting up the name of Jesus and talking about Jesus every opportunity they get. Do you know that if you read every sermon that Peter preached, all right, we can get through it in about five minutes. I'm gonna get up here and talk for 30 to 35 minutes today, all right? Okay? He used common people every single day. You do not have to be highly educated. You do not have to know all the Greek. You don't have to know the Hebrew. You don't have to be sophisticated. You don't even have to be well-spoken. This is who God uses, the common person. And if you graduated magna cum laude, congratulations to you. God, I'm sure, can use you as well. But right here in this story, as we talk about boldness, it's the people who are willing to do it. And where does faith come from? Faith comes from hearing. And the whole idea of the church, the whole idea of the church is that there would be one or two, a few who, who who teach and preach, and the rest are sent out into their lives to meet with their neighbors, to meet with their coworkers, and have conversations about Jesus. Look at verse twenty. This is the third thing. I told you we're almost done. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. <laughs> like like. Man, y'all got us here. You arrested us. Well, we're not going to put up the defense. We're just going to tell you, but we cannot help but speak about Jesus. Let me tell you how it works. Okay, talk about Jesus in your day to day as much as you talk about your favorite football team or current events. There. If you want to know how much you, you need to be talking about Jesus every day, whatever the thing is, college football for me, okay? I, I had a wonderful conversation. We've got Paul and Stephanie Burns, Lord willing, coming from, coming from Idaho. They're going to spend some time with us in the fall. Uh, speaking of common men, all right? Paul might be listening to this. He, he's told me he tunes in. Paul is like backwoods, hillbilly, Montana, okay? He... he he, he is just, he's, he's there. He married up. Stephanie, his wife, is, is amazing. All right? Paul and Stephanie were huge success. Made a ton of money. All right? Built a, built, built a business up in the recession 2008, 2009, 2010 in the construction business. Their business doubled every single year in the middle of the recession. Their life, their marriage, I'm not going to tell their whole story, they're going to tell their story. Their life, their marriage, man, was falling apart, it was on the rocks. And God stepped in and he intervened and they sold everything. They sold their house, they sold their cars, they bought a single car, they bought a camper and they lived in a camper for the kingdom. All right? So I'm sitting down and I'm having conversations about with, with Paul and Stephanie We've been to their house before, we love it. And they're like, hey, explain to us this NIL deal that's happening in college sports. Like, we heard about it someplace else. And we started talking about the culture. Uh, it, it, we started talking about the college football culture in the state of Alabama. Right? And they were like, are you serious? Like, your stadiums have 90-plus thousand? And I'm like, only the good ones? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right? I mean, we, we got the stadiums going over 100,000. And here's the thing, they're all the same size, just some decide to cram more people in the same space, right? And, and, and I'm like, th- this is the culture. And, and we had a 40-minute conversation about college football. And here's the thing, in a few weeks, as it draws closer to college football, there's going to be all kinds of talk around the water cooler. Around the ESPN articles, around all the stuff that's coming out there about college football. And we will literally spend hours talking about college football. Or whatever your thing is, because I know not everybody in this room would talk college football. Some of y'all are just a little bit further behind the rest of us, but you'll get there. Right? Some of you have different hobbies, you have different things that that, that you, and you can talk about those things properly. That's what we do. We cannot but speak about it. when when that announcement of of Roe versus Wade was overturned all we talked about for hours Roe versus Wade talked about all the stuff that's going to happen We talked about how it's politicized we talked about all of those things are we talking about Jesus as much and you've been there been in the moments when you had like the big news, like I've got some news that I can't wait to share with you. Well, we had a moment in here last week. If you missed last week, well, you missed it. You can go back and listen, listen to the sermon. No, last week we announced that the Lewises are expected. Praise the Lord. Right? But we couldn't could wait to share that. When they were like, hey, we want you to do this. I'm like, what? Like to the church? And the church. I'm like, yeah, and I was. You know, when, we, when we, have, we have big news, maybe it's an engagement announcement or maybe it's a job promotion or maybe it's a pregnancy announcement. We, we have that big news that, man, I just got to tell somebody. Are you ever that way with Jesus? I mean, that's how the disciples work, church. We are sitting here on trial. We know that you men have the authority to, to send us to Pilate to be crucified, but we cannot but speak of what we have seen and what we have heard. So let me ask you a couple of questions. Let me ask you a couple of questions to think on when it comes to speaking about Jesus. Are you able to share with others what Jesus means to you? Are you able to do that? Are are you able to go across the street and talk with a neighbor? And are you able to just, on the fly, are you able to say, man, this is what Jesus means to me? And and not like the Sunday school answer Jesus. You know, not not the, well, he died on the cross for all of our sins. That's it, got a place, I'll get to that place in just a minute. But I'm talking about, man, in my life. Let me tell you about how Jesus has, has extended grace to me. Do you have have a passion to give credit to Jesus for the things that he has done in your life? Are you able to share with others how they can be saved? I mean, somebody walked up to you today, Somehow, I want to give my life to the Lord. Do do you even know how to do this? I mean, they got to hear the good news. I can tell you that. It starts there. We just read that. And and then they got to believe. And then there has to be this confession. Once there's belief in their heart, this stew this this jumping into the swimming pool, all in kind of faith, once once they have this faith, man, then then there's the confession. We've got to confess him to others before others. I want the world to know that I believe in Jesus and he died for my sins. And then there has to be repentance. We kind of like to skip over that old repentance thing in the Christian church in my lifetime. We jump straight to baptism and we glorify and make baptism a big deal it's because others don't but we skip the repentance part of it you got to turn from your sins you got to recognize that there's sin in your life you got to turn from it and then by golly you better get wet because here's the thing baptism the full immersion that is for the gift of the holy spirit and that marks us for You know how to have these conversations with people. They cannot but speak of what they have seen and heard. And there's too many people, there's too many Christians in America right now that, you know what? I may have an entry-level conversation. I'm going to get you to church and let my minister, I'll sit my minister on you. You know, he, he he's got all the answers. It's not how it works. It's not how it's supposed to work. So I'll tell you this, I don't know when the date is. Jessica and I are working on this. Jessica um, is gonna be, we're gonna commission her next week. She's our new evangelism ministry team leader. But in the fall, uh, Saturday in September, uh, or uh, a Saturday in October, depending on you know, Auburn's football schedule. Uh, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. Uh, we are going to have a workshop with uh, Dr. Jared Lindy Caleb and I have, have, have gone through seven weeks of, of some evangelism training we're going to bring him in, we're going to invite Piney Grove Christian Church, Huntsville Christian Church, and, and, it, and it's going to be about a, you know, a four- to six-hour workshop. Lunch will be provided the whole nine yards. But, but we're going to start training you how to have conversations. How to be able to share your faith. But the reality is, the truth is, there has to be an element of boldness in your life. There has to be the element of I'm willing to do this. Because the fourth thing, look at this, look at verse 21. I mean, Peter just threw it out there. You guys are the ones that hung on the cross. But let me tell you, salvation comes from no one else other than Jesus. And look right here in verse 21. And when they had further threatened, like right before this, what did they say? Let's talk them out of it. Hey, we're going to let you guys go, but don't say anything else again. And then Peter mouths off, and then it comes back right here. And when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people, for all, were praising God for what had happened. Take note of this. The religious leaders, the people on God's side, threatened the disciples. The people who you would think were there on the same side are the ones who are doing the threatening because they themselves Felt threatened. And church, I'm telling you right now, in this world, you cannot have gospel centered conversations without boldness. You might be able to do it in the safety of your home, as long as you know people, but you cannot have gospel centered conversations out there in the world without boldness. Let me remind you what it is it's the trait of being willing to undertake activities that involve risk or danger especially that involve being honest and straightforward in attitude and speech church we live in a world right now where evil is not even being hidden if you've turned on your news today this week you have seen some hideous things as a follower of Jesus it is front and center and it's in our face Praise the Lord for for what the Supreme Court did this past week in that ruling for sure. But I will tell you this moving forward, you see all kinds of responses from the church and from Christians. I, I, I will tell you this, and I believe in this wholeheartedly. The answer to what has happened this week is not to respond politically or even scientifically. Even though God is the master and the author of all science. That is not the way to respond to what's happening. The way to respond is to promote the name of Jesus and Jesus only. To lift him up. Fifty days after an angry mob in the thousands chanted, crucify, crucify, crucify. Or for our words, kill. Killed. Killed.
1: The disciples
0: stood before those same people and they talked about the man they killed. Verse 21 tells us, let us be real here. We, we like being comfortable. And, and, and the good news for our little congregation right here, we're like dead center belt buckle of the Bible Belt. There, there's, there's more than churches in a 10-mile a radius of downtown Decatur than just about anywhere in the world. I mean it's staggering how many churches Are in our area right now so for the most part it's pretty safe for you and I to have gospel-centered conversations but are you willing in the name of Jesus to 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 take on activities and speech that involve risk are you willing to be honest and straightforward in your attitude and speech in the name of Jesus are you willing to lose that customer that comes in Are are you willing to lose your job because of your stance in the name of Jesus? And I love what happened after this, after they're threatened, after they're let go. You know what they did? They went and did two things. They didn't go pout. They didn't go cry. They went and they did two things. They gathered together with their church. That's what they did. They gathered together with their, with their people. And they shared with them. Man, you know what just happened? And we were just arrested We're healing that guy. Man, we're over here trying to do nice stuff. And we got arrested. But let me tell you how God works. Let me tell you the words that God gave. They worshiped together in the midst of persecution. And then they prayed together. Lord, look upon their hearts and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. We haven't even prayed for boldness yet. Like We haven't even got to the part where I mean, we're praying for boldness. They were just already bold and now they're praying, give us more. And we saw what we did and we saw the, the effect that it had. People were praising your name because of the work that was done and we didn't hide it. Give us more boldness. And while you stretch out your hand, and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus. That's how they respond to the persecution that came upon them. They worship the Lord together with their friends and they pray all the more for more boldness. I encourage you to go read Acts chapter 5. They get arrested again. And this time God does some other miracle where he just kind of like sucks them up out of jail and like transports them over here into the temple. And when they came to get them out, they're like, where are they? They're Oh, they were there last night, but now they're in the temple preaching. Well, everything's locked up. They'll read that story because, you know what, it just gets worse. But these men who prayed for boldness, these men who understand that Jesus was bold in everything he did, they modeled that. And you know what it cost them? It cost them the same thing that it cost Jesus. And they didn't regret it. I love this quote by Dwight Moody. When we find a man meditating on the words of God, my friends, that man is full of boldness and is successful. Because let me tell you what they did for those 50 days leading up to that moment. They were deep in prayer. And they were deep in the word of God, in the presence of God. And when the time came, when the spotlight was shown on them and the opportunity was So here's our response today. I, Paul to me, I mean Jesus is Jesus and we put Jesus over here, but Paul, the number of times that he was just arrested, beaten, all this kind of stuff in the name of Jesus, like he, he's, he's like the he-man of both. I want to pray for you. The prayer that he asked people to pray for him as we close. Bow your heads with me. It's found in Ephesians chapter 6. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance. Making supplication for all the saints. And also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am, am an ambassador in chains. That I may declare boldly as I ought to speak. God, that's our prayer. Let it rest upon us. Give us the words and give us the opportunity. The opportunity is there, we know. It. But give us the conviction. And you tell us, you did not give us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power. Let us be bold.